Hello and welcome to series two of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear the wisdom and experiences of incredible women in science and technology. My aim with the conversations that you'll hear on this show is to learn more about STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths, and hear from STEM people who are from diverse backgrounds who tend to be really underrepresented. Essentially, through this podcast, Innovation, I want us to all get smarter and more knowledgeable about innovation, but also to bring a voice to the voiceless who are actually doing the STEM. I was one of those people. I grew up in a very STEMI household, where we were always encouraged to be curious about the world around us and figure out how things worked. Maybe that's the reason why I ended up studying mechanical engineering. It taught me so much about how things work which was really useful. But I must admit that it was actually life itself that taught me that not everything can be explained with neat little mathematical equations. Life is messy. It doesn't always unfold in a straight line. And here on Innovation, I want to hear how other people in STEM, particularly minorities, deal with that. This week, I talked to Dr. Anna Cruz Ruiz, a robotics engineer. I'm Anna Lucia Cruz Ruiz and I'm a robotics engineer. Uh, currently, I'm a project manager at Imperial College London, where I manage uh, a network of about 44 uh, researchers working in robotics. And I also uh, manage an EU project, the UK branch of an EU project in healthcare robotics. So can you tell me what it is that you are actually focusing on when it comes to your research? Um, right now, I'm in a more operational role. So through this project, DIH here, which is my current focus, um, we are developing a network across Europe with different hubs in different countries that um, has the aim to strengthen healthcare robotics uh, in the different areas uh, in Europe. So for instance, we have um, calls for funding and support for SMEs that are developing robots to fight COVID or assist patients or perform uh, really difficult surgeries that are um, um, that are possible now but are dangerous or treat conditions that are not treatable because of the current tools that we have. Um, so basically that's that's the focus healthcare robotics. Um, and especially uh, rehabilitation robotics, interventional robotics, um, robots supporting patients and healthcare professionals. So that's the scope of the project. Um, and I focus on the technologies um, that are being developed here in the UK. Can I ask, is your research um, involving developing robotics um, aiming to try and replace what doctors and nurses would typically do? So it, um, at Imperial, um, we have a group of researchers that are working in healthcare robotics and a subgroup working in surgical robotics. And for now, the aim is to work with doctors to um, improve the outcomes in the surgery. So for example, um, there are robots that are being developed that are controlled partly by a surgeon, but that enhance the abilities of the surgeon. For example, as humans, uh, when we manipulate anything, there are tremors or 
we're not as precise, right? Um, and with these robots, they, they can filter that those motions and make them really precise. Uh, we can also enhance um, the senses of the surgeon by giving the robots um, sensors. Uh, for example, you have like really tiny robots that go inside the body and give the surgeon the ability to look at things that you wouldn't be able to look uh, from, from your perspective as a doctor or with the current uh, instruments. There's also um, computer vision technologies that are being developed to um, augment uh, surgeons in the sense that uh, when they enter the human body, um, there are some occlusions or, or things that they cannot see because of what they're putting inside there. And these algorithms will kind of erase the tools that you see on the on screen and show the surgery what is moving behind that to have a, a better perspective of what is going on inside the human body while they are uh, performing surgery. Why did you decide to get into robotics engineering? Since I was uh, yeah, in primary school, I really liked physics and math and um, um, yes, projects in these areas. Uh, my dad is an engineer and he, he used to talk about uh, things and explain things happening around me uh, through math and he got really excited about it. So that was kind of contagious. <laughs> Uh, then uh, when I was graduating high school, I knew I wanted to be an engineer, uh, but once I didn't know exactly what area, then um, I saw a robot on, you know, on TV for the first time and I thought this is very cool. I would like to learn how that works and uh, how to build things like that. Um, and yeah, I stuck to that idea and uh, continued studying and trying to, to find uh, um, and, and a degree that would help me uh, become a robotics engineer. Were you ever aware of how um, much of a minority you might be as a woman in engineering? So initially, right at the beginning when I started uh, studying, I first studied mechatronics, um, I realized the, uh, the minority that we, we represent in that area. Uh, especially in Latin America, this was a new uh, degree and I was the only girl there. Uh, and I would be thrown into situations in which, you know, a teacher would ask me, you know, are, are you lost? Uh, is this where you, where you're supposed to study? And I would, at the time, I, I would not get mad. I was, I would just say, yeah, this is the class of, you know, machines and tools. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there were a lot of situations like that. Um, so I was, um, I was quite struck by that. And I think that kind of affected a bit the uh, self-confidence, you know, answering questions or uh, putting forward ideas. Um, then when I came to Europe and did my master's in robotics, there were a lot more girls uh, in, my, in my class. Uh, that was nice to see. But um, I think it's, uh, it's, it, it's a barrier. Um, that we face um, as female engineers. And I think it's not, I think there are more girls that are interested in engineering now. I think one of the issues is staying in that line and growing in that career. I think there are 
many barriers that uh, prevent us from 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 growing. If you, I mean, I, I had very few teachers that were um, female robotics research scientists. Um, and there were postdocs and a PhD students that were female. So I think there's some work to be done to make sure that the girls that are already interested in, uh, in STEM and in robotics actually uh, evolve to positions um, with more uh, power. So what is it about you that has kept you in robotics? Like how have you been dealing with being in a minority? I think it's the fact that I really like the field, but yes, I've have I have been tested throughout um, throughout my my career um, in situations where uh, people that had more that were in a position of more leadership than me would you know question uh, why I was there why I behaved in a certain way uh, and outright telling me you know you're the first girl that I'm. <laughs> that I'm working with. Uh, yeah, so I, I was tested a lot of times. And um, looking back, I think what kept me going was uh, that I really, really, really believe that robots will enhance our lives in many different ways. And, and the fact that I enjoy it. Um, so I think you really have to, to, to like what you're doing in order not to be uh, detracted from from your goal I think personally in the future I would also like to see more of these technologies uh, benefit uh, people in in third world countries like where I grew up for example there's uh, I mean this is a, a dream in places like this um, and I know it, it it would sound a bit um, as a utopia or uh, unreachable to 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 say that uh, robots will be at some point in third world countries but uh, I believe that it should be in our in our radar in our vision uh, making these robots uh, affordable um, and also doing some research uh, in these in these countries as well uh, where the conditions are more challenging you know there's there's no electricity sometimes, or uh, the sanitary conditions are more um, uh, are more uh, difficult. So, um, in the long term, I would like uh, as much people uh, the benefit to reach more people. Right now, it doesn't even reach it doesn't even benefit that much people here in the first world because they are very expensive. So, a surgical robot is a million dollars. But yes, in the long run, this is what I would uh, like to contribute to. I find it really interesting that you're so um, passionate about robotics um, because, you know, there are many different ways that we can enhance people's lives. Why are you turning to robotics as opposed to, I don't know, some other way of Mm. enhancing our capabilities as humans? I think uh, because of the the effect that robotics can have on so many different fields by the the products themselves. 
but also um, the effect of what learning these kinds of technologies has on people. Um, so it's a very, it's a very um, hybrid and, and complex field that helps you to develop different skills. So for example, in addition to um, seeing the benefit of what robots can have uh, in society, um, specifically in healthcare, I also see the benefits about learning to operate, not just robots, but computers and complex, more, more complex machines that develops certain parts in, in, in your brain that, uh, you know, logic, uh, computational thinking, um, that, for example, children in the third world are not developing at all. Um, you have uh, schools here, and I have taught in schools like this, where children are learning how to uh, manipulate more advanced technologies since uh, primary school, for example. Um, and yes, the, the, the kind of um, a thinking that you develop, the problem-solving skills that you develop, for example, are very different from, from what you would normally uh, uh, develop with the traditional uh, uh, school programs that they have in this country. So the products themselves, but also learning to develop them, I think it's very important. Not just robots, but you know, computers and advanced uh, machines. I see what you mean, actually, because you know, education is evolving as a result of yeah. intelligence. You know, the fact yeah, that yeah. coding is being taught in schools and things yeah. as a result of the development of this technology. So Correct. yeah, actually, I, I do understand what you mean. Like robotics is pushing human advancement in a certain sort yes. of intelligent direction, um, computational direction. And yeah. could have gone, you know, down the arts uh, root and developed our creativity and cultural, I don't know, development. Um, and we, we are probably doing that as well. But I, I, I really do, do see that distinction of kind of wanting to develop robotics because it's kind of training us to be, it's inspiring us to be more precise the way robots yes. Yes, and I think it's just amazing what you, I mean, uh, the, the effect that learning how to be not just consumers of these technologies, but creators of these technologies uh, can have in our development as human beings. Uh, but also the kind of problems that you can solve with robotics, you take different pieces of engineer, of uh, domains in engineering, and you can give a person the ability to walk again or to, you know, there are prosthetics that now allow you to allow people that have lost their arms to feel objects if they're hard or, or, or soft and to manipulate them. So um, I think it's technology that, uh, that can enhance us in many different ways. It's, uh, it's quite amazing. What do you love most about your engineering career? Yes, I think what I have loved the most of engineering and STEM in general is um, that feel, feeling of, of this discovery that you have very frequently. So 
the moment before and after you figure something out um, is very exciting. So I think I would say that, um, that feeling of discovery. And also um, the feeling that you, the excitement or, or feeling uh, that I get when uh, I'm able to make something that changes how things are in the environment. So, you know, it's, it's amazing that with a few co uh, lines of code or uh, some math, you can actually make something, do something in the real what world. What are the greatest engineering challenges you face today? In the project that I'm, I'm working on right now, uh, one of the challenges that a lot of the, the companies that we advise face is how to get uh, robots into healthcare um, environments because it's so delicate. Um, there's a lot of testing and regulations. So sometimes the regulations don't exist. Um, for instance, there are robots that are being uh, developed for disinfecting hospitals uh, and disinfect, especially due to the pandemic. And they're using certain tools that are not usually used in, in, in robotics. So there's not like an A, B, C, D um, set of steps that you can follow to, to certify that and put it into market. So I think that's one of the um, biggest uh, challenges of uh, healthcare robotics. So making everything very safe and proving that it's safe. Cool. Um, what would your friends and family saying is say is most inspiring about you? I know they're really proud that I that I went along this path and I, I'm currently where I am. Uh, that I studied robotics, so I know they're proud of that. Um, and I think they also appreciate uh, the fact that I I try to um, or I'm trying <laughs> to bring a a bit of that back to to yeah to Honduras uh, but you would have to ask them this is what I think <laughs> you know was it obvious you talk about your dad as being an inspiration um, was it obvious from a very young age that you were going to end up in a STEM field uh, I, I, I don't think right at the beginning uh, in the beginning I wanted to be a doctor <laughs> but um as I, um, I'm very close to my dad and having conversations with him and having him explain um, certain things um, through his engineering way of, of seeing the world, uh, I wanted to be like him. I mean, he was not the robotics engineer, he's an electrical engineer, but um, yeah, he was definitely a very strong uh, influence uh, in, in my childhood and, and to this day. I think that um, also if he would have had the chance to grow up in another country or in, in another situation, he would have been a researcher. Uh, I don't know in, in, in what field, but you can tell that that is someone that had a lot of potential and exploited it as much as he could. He's also a teacher. Um, but that was inspiring. Uh, he managed to 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 transmit that um, excitement for how things work. And so, what have what have been the major stepping stones 
for you um, to get to this point at which you're at now with your career? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say initially um, this, um, this conversations with my dad um, that kind of awoke uh, my interest in STEM. Um, then later on, I think there were people, there were people that really were um, uh, in my path that led me to where I am here today. Then during my master's degree, um, I had a great teacher, uh, Professor Wissama Khalil, um, that also um, taught me really the foundations of what robotics is. Um, and you can ask any of my, of the people that graduated from that degree and, and he's just, you know, the person that set the foundation for us, for everything we know. Um, and I think those were the two important stepping stones. Also, um, the fact that I do um, some volunteering um, in STEM, in the area of STEM in Honduras, uh, remotely, and also when I'm there and, uh, and on site. Um, so being coming from that part of the world, um, I think has um, shaped a bit how I see the world and how I want to use uh, technology. So then in terms of um, like your actual educational milestones, was it like, because here in the UK, we have to do certain subjects uh, yeah. level. And so what were your sort of academic uh, milestones? In Honduras, I did a bachelor's degree in mechatronics. I had I was accepted to some uh, robotics programs abroad, but they were too expensive. So I focused on mechatronics, which is uh, quite close to robotics. Um, then in France, I did a master's in advanced robotics, focusing on um, mechanical design. And then I did my PhD. Um, it was kind of a hybrid PhD where I focused on understanding how humans move and trying to use that information uh, to improve how we make other things move. <laughs> so uh, yeah, those were the three um, big milestones of stages. Um, and now at Imperial, I'm um, um, being I'm a manager and I'm more operational, uh, but still uh, I'm contributing to um, to surgical robotics, uh, healthcare robotics through this through this role, and meeting a lot of the the people working in also very different areas in robotics. So it's it's exciting, yeah. Sounds like role models were really an important part of your journey. Um, yeah. What would you say makes a good a good role model? I think it's someone that can um, innately transmit uh, a sense of excitement for 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 something. Um, someone that um, yeah, it's just different. I've had very different role models. So that would be in the case of uh, my teachers. So for example, my dad and, and, and my, my teacher at university. Um, but in general, I think, yes, it's someone that can transmit that sense of wonder and excitement for, for something. 
and that ultimately inspires you to take action. Um, I think those are the, the most uh, powerful role models. So people that actually move others. Um, and yeah, this is what has happened at least in my, in my experience. What must it have been like going from one country to another with different languages? And yeah. that must have been incredibly hard. Yes, it's, it, it was really hard. Um, so Honduras is one of the poorest countries in, in, in Latin America. Um, I have to say I was uh, one of the small percentage of people that I, I got to go to school and um, I studied and um, I had a, a good life there, although, um, you know, violence and poverty was always around. Uh, then coming, yeah, arriving in France, getting in a train for the first time in my life and uh, being able to walk on the streets in the night without being afraid. And it was a big change. I was really grateful and happy uh, about the different things I could experience. Uh, the language was really difficult to learn. Out of the, all the languages I speak, French is definitely the, the hardest one. Um, then I, I lived in Italy for some time. Um, so it, it, it has been difficult to, to adapt to different uh, cultures, but I, I think I have um, enjoyed um, the different experiences uh, in the different countries. And right now I'm in, in London and um, strangely, it feels like home because there are people from all over the world. Um, so I get to speak Spanish, Italian, uh, French, English um, with different people. So uh, I think this is, um, besides Honduras, the place where, where I, I, I fit in the most, I would say. But yes, it has been hard switching from one country to the other. So you have to make friends again, um, kind of rebuild <laughs> your life a bit um, every time. But it's also rewarding. So has there been something that you have consistently done to stay balanced um, throughout all that, all those major changes? Yes, I think there are some uh, practices that, you know, or things I do that I've carried, I've carried them through all the different experiences and countries I've been in and that helped me uh, to be balanced and, and centered. Um, and that is uh, music. So I, I play piano and uh, I, I have classes online with my uh, childhood teacher who is in Honduras. Um, so this is a constant thing uh, in my life. Uh, meditation also, which is something I acquired uh, later on in life to deal with, you know, different uh, stressors that I was having. Uh, so I think those those two things and also my husband has been in all these adventures uh, with me, also an engineer. Um, so I think those those things uh, help me uh, be grounded. Yeah, stay grounded. And um, Another thing that helps me stay grounded is uh, the, the activities that I do with, uh, with the people uh, in my home country remotely uh, and remembering, you know, I might have a problem trying to code something, but there are 
bigger things happening there. Um, so I think, yes, a couple of practices and um, yeah, seeing things in a bigger perspective when looking back at where I came from. Yeah, that's so fascinating. You know, the fact that you're married to an engineer is... Yeah, also a robotics engineer. I mean, we we studied the same master's degree. So are yeah. you able then to directly compare his experience of robotics engineering and yours? Like, is there a discrepancy in terms of gender um, between both of your experiences? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I... I did experience um, judgments based on uh, not my work, but who I was uh, that at the time were, I mean, it, it felt quite, quite destructive, quite uh, difficult uh, that now I, I look back and I'm actually using that to my benefit. Uh, and I don't think he experienced uh, that I know of <laughs> something like this. Um, yeah, so yeah, I would say there are some experiences I had that, that probably he didn't, um, have. Yeah. Do you mm -hmm. think it's important to have equality, um, and inclusion and diversity within engineering? And if so, why? Yeah, I think it's important because, um, if we want technologies to work for a diverse group of people, then a, a diverse group of people have to be creating it, um, or have to be included in the in the creation, production, development cycle. Um, as we do, for example, when we are developing a, a prosthetic or uh, a specific device for, for example, a person with disability, that person has to be included in the development process. Uh, in terms of gender, um, it's important to have uh, women as well in the development, because we also have other perspectives that, that uh, to, to put in that men don't have sometimes. Um, so, for example, um, Engineers can be quite uh, technical and, um, um, I don't know, square sometimes. Uh, and I find that um, sometimes us as female engineers can um, change the way of thinking and include other elements that maybe they don't usually think of. So I think it's important. If the technology is for everyone, then diversity in the development of these technologies is important. Otherwise you're doing, men are doing technology for men. So, um, yeah. Why do you think it has become such a homogenous group of people in engineering? Mm. I think this starts out, I think, since you're in school. Um, I think we live in a, a world where advertisement and there's a whole system that is telling you, okay, boys you know play with puzzles and build things and become an engineer or an astronaut or um i don't know these kinds of careers and there's this whole advertisement and system telling you girls uh this is how you should look this is uh, where you should work this is what you should you should say i think there's more of those things for women 
and I think we're we're a bit conditioned since since childhood, um, and when we try to when we have a, an interest in things that are boy things, um, sometimes this can be seen as weird or disencouraged. Um, that can isolate you as well sometimes. I think this is decreasing, but it's still it's still an expectation. And not seeing, for example, I don't have a, a, a female, I didn't have a female role model for um, someone who I said, oh, I want to be like this uh, girl engineer. I didn't have that. Now I have learned about different scientists uh, and important women in STEM, but um, being told that you have to follow a certain path indirectly by, um, by the media or by the system in place and not seeing um, women in these positions. Uh, I think it's natural that girls take a certain path. And now you're one of those role models. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I don't know if I, I see myself like this, but uh, yeah, I, I hope so. If um, if I can can help someone else uh, pursue a career in this field, then I would be happy. What has been the most humbling experience you've ever had? So um, in 2019, I did, um, so before the pandemic, Christmas 2019, I, I did a workshop on space robots and uh, electronics with uh, children in a very poor community so I knew what I was going into but um, in one of the activities they had to make a circuit like a very basic circuit and see a light go on go on yeah so in the moment when these these kids were able one of them specifically and I we caught it on video <laughs> when he was able you know to connect two things together and have this light go on he was completely excited and just very happy and also teaching the child on on his side um that, that was sitting on to his side to, to to build a circuit as well so uh, uh seeing seeing his face and how excited he was to do that and the fact that he would have otherwise never done that uh at school or um, at that level was, um, yeah, it was humbling. Um, and also it motivated, it, it, that's another thing that I'm really passionate about, uh, helping um, kids in Honduras get a proper STEM education. Yeah, so that was really humbling. Yeah. So hearing you talk about kids and their enthusiasm for science obviously leads to a question about yeah. you know it's we as women we we have to juggle so much because you know we are expected to well, not just expected but we are biologically programmed to carry a child and, yeah. and you know have that responsibility um but when you've done a phd and you've done all these amazing things in your career how are you uh, sort of figuring out how to juggle all of that? Like, what's your sort of like, what's your right answer for how to have it all in life? Oh, that's a difficult question. I think I'm, I'm figuring it out. Uh, but 
Um, my career is important, yes. And before it used to be, you know, the, the most important thing. Uh, but I think that to you know, have it all or have a good balance, uh, I have worked a lot on um, discerning uh, what are the most important things in my life. So my family is important. Helping in Honduras is important. And then my career is uh, something I'm passionate about, but that I use to achieve uh, those goals. It, it's difficult, it's difficult to balance. I've had trouble balancing this uh, in the past. And um, there are certain pathways that I, I, I didn't follow because the life balance was quite hard. Um, I think it's a learning experience. I, I don't think I have the answer, but something that has helped me is to really discern what is important for me um, and to prioritize um, that because work can take over. I mean, I love, I love my work, uh, but um, keeping a good balance is about uh, discerning what is, what is important at different times. What has been the best piece of advice you have ever received and can pass on to anyone that's watching this? Yes, so this is uh, an advice I, I was given recently, and this is by my current boss that is an amazing person. Um, so he told me, I, I usually want to do things the best, as best I can. And he told me once uh, to not do my 100% all the time to do 80%, 70%, and to reserve that, uh, you know, that energy, that 100% of effort for when it's needed, for when you will have, you know, a really important uh, um, project in your life or a very difficult situation in your life, personal combined with, with work. So not that that uh, statement of uh, it's not being lazy you know it's just of not trying to do things perfectly which is something I think that girls that are in engineering usually do so we are really good students we are really neat uh, we're always in class so uh, that statement don't give your 100% all the time but only when it's it's needed and you will you know you have this really amazing goal um, is what was really liberating uh, because I feel like I was programmed for so long to just do everything as perfectly as I could. And it's, it's quite draining. It's quite tiring. So that was quite liberating. And I think it gave me space to be more creative and, uh, and do other things. So that's one advice that I, I would pass on to girls, uh, especially to everyone, but especially um, girls uh, in engineering and science. I so relate to that. And I wish I had really embraced that kind of um, ethos Yeah, uh, when I was studying, because, you know, when you try to do everything to a, a level of perfection, you can really get burned out. Yes. Um, and start to resent your work. So, yeah, I think that's so great. And it probably means that you actually perform better because you're not setting yes. yourself. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 
it, it's, it was great advice. And the fact that it came from someone that uh, was in a liter- leadership position um, and that believed in me a lot was also quite, uh, quite liberating. So yeah, I think that's, that's an advice I would pass on. Well, you know, it's been so amazing to be able to chat with you, um, despite all the drilling that's going on on my side. Um, <laughs> it's just been so insightful and inspiring to see your passion and your devo- your devotion and your dedication to what you're doing there in engineering. And sort of final thoughts, like, is engineering for, for girls? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I think... Um... I mean, I'm really keen on seeing uh, what uh, women and girls uh, do in engineering. And if you look back at uh, the girls that have been successful in this field, um, then you can, you you get inspired. Um, I mean, from Marie Curie uh, doing, you know, playing with radioactivity and doing machines to help uh, diagnose soldiers on site to, uh, I've seen other girls these days on YouTube doing uh, robots that are useless but are fun. Uh, so it, it, it's, it would be, um, I think there's a lot to do and I think we're completely capable of, of contributing to, to robotics. Hopefully robotics for a, a better world. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for all the work you're doing. Keep up um, all that great research and development. And um, thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews, then the more interest from those trusty algorithms, which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on my YouTube channel on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery and self-evolution on innovation. So as always, be kind and loving to yourselves and I wish you all a great week.